Good morning and welcome to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network this Friday morning, April 1st. No fooling around. We've got a lot of growing in holiness to do today. It is first Friday. Today is a day dedicated to the Sacred Heart of our Lord. Tomorrow is first Saturday and it's Roadmap Roundup Day here on the show. So let us begin as we always do on first Friday with both our morning offering and our first Friday prayer, and here to help us with the prayer and the roundup today are Dan Vonderhaar and Gabe Jones. More from them in a minute. Let's pray first. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Most sweet Jesus, whose overflowing charity for men is requited by so much forgetfulness, negligence, and contempt, behold us prostrate before you, eager to repair by a special act of homage the cruel indifference and injuries to which your loving heart is everywhere subject. Mindful, alas, that we ourselves have had a share in such great indignities, which we now deplore from the depths of our hearts. We humbly ask your pardon and declare our readiness to atone by voluntary expiation, not only for our own personal offenses, but also for the sins of those who, straying far from the path of salvation, refuse in their obstinate infidelity to follow you, their shepherd and leader, or, renouncing the promises of their baptism, have cast off the sweet yoke of your law. We are now resolved to expiate each and every deplorable outrage committed against you. We are now determined to make amends for the manifold offenses against Christian modesty and unbecoming dress and behavior, for all the foul seductions laid to ensnare the feet of the innocent, for the frequent violations of Sundays and holy days, and the shocking blasphemies uttered against you and your saints. We wish also to make amends for the insults to which your vicar on earth and your priests are subjected for the profanation by conscious neglect or terrible acts of sacrilege of the very sacrament of your divine love. And lastly, for the public crimes of nations who resist the rights and teaching authority of the church, which you have founded. Would that we were able to wash away such abominations with our blood. We now offer in reparation for these violations of your divine honor, the satisfaction you once made to your eternal father on the cross and which you continue to renew daily on our altars. We offer it in union with the acts of atonement of your Virgin Mother and all the saints and of the pious faithful on earth, and we sincerely promise to make recompense as far as we can with the help of your grace for all neglect of your great love and for the sins we and others have committed in the past. Henceforth, we will live a life of unswerving faith, of purity of conduct, of perfect observance of the precepts of the gospel, and especially that of charity. We promise you to we promise to the best of our power to prevent others from offending you and to bring as many as possible to follow you. O loving Jesus, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mother, our model in reparation, deign to receive the voluntary offering we make of this act of expiation, and by the crowning gift of perseverance, keep us faithful unto death in our duty and the allegiance we owe to you, so that we may all one day come to that happy home where with the Father and the Holy Spirit, you live and reign, God, forever and ever. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. Our Lady Queen of Peace, 
pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, gentlemen, uh, Spring, I think, decided not to play an April Fool's prank on us today, unless... This Maybe is this the is. prank. That, yeah, this you know, is the prank. This yeah. week has been cold and dreary, and today is looking kind of promising. It'll be snowing tomorrow. Just watch. <laughs> I, I, that, I hope not. I have a 5K tomorrow that I've got to be part oh, of. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm hoping today is, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Because it's a little chilly. Yeah. Today. Well, let's, let's, let's hope it it's gets warmed time. up. You know what? You know who knows what the weather's going to do today? The three of us could God. muse about it. <laughs> God knows. And then uh, he blessed Mike Roberts with some insight to be able to tell us what the weather should be today. So let's go now to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Hugh of Grenoble. Born in France in the mid-11th century, he was known for his devotion to the Lord from the time he was a child. He also had a demonstrated capacity for leadership, and by the time he was 33 was already Bishop of Grenoble, a position he would hold for the rest of his life. It was a time of turmoil in the church, with abuses running rampant. Pope Gregory VII, who had ordained Hugh, called for all leadership to initiate changes, and Hugh was among the first to respond. He reclaimed church land in the French Alps, used his abilities as an outstanding preacher to reinvigorate the lay population and inspired a new generation of religious. After having a vision, he helped St. Bruno found a new order, the Carthusians. At a time when the Pope's authority was constantly being challenged, he was a fearless defender of the papacy. And in Grenoble, he was a leader as well, overseeing many civic developments. He died on this day in 1132. St. Hugh, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. All right, we are back this Friday morning, and uh, you know it helps if you hit the right button to make the the music go there. Maybe maybe I am the fool this April morning. I wasn't uh, going to say it. Oh wow, wow. Well, <laughs> gentlemen, it is April. It's a new month. It's first Friday. We're dedicated to the Sacred Heart today, and uh, we are hard to believe. Just two weeks out, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, two weeks and two days from Easter Sunday. Wow. Uh, not to not to scare you or surprise you there, but if you're paying attention to the calendar, you you know that we just celebrated Laetare Sunday this past Sunday. We're we're past the halfway point of Lent, and we've got some work to do. And it's got me thinking about the the Christian life and the Catholic life. And uh, no, Gabe, I am not going to randomly change the topics this morning. Is <laughs> you know every every week, friends, I send the topics to our panelists, and Gabe goes, you know, I, I couldn't decide if this was going to be some big April Fool's prank that you were going to have new topics. What I sent you last night or yesterday afternoon is what we've got. Okay. So our first topic today, friends, is actually about one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis. Um, my first introduction to C.S. Lewis was introduction um, – or no, it was mere Christianity in high school, and I and I hated reading it because we had to read it, right? Uh, so my reintroduction to C.S. Lewis was a book called The Screw Tape Letters, and if you're not familiar with it, friends, it's a book of of fictional letters written from a senior demon mm-hmm. uh, named Screw Tape to his nephew, who's a junior or apprentice demon, 
uh, named Wormwood about, oh, Wormwood, I saw you did this out in the world, tempting men in this way or, or, or uh, pulling the bag over their eyes, the fleece over their eyes in that way, and that was really good. Or, oh, no, Wormwood, that's not going to be successful if you're trying to get man to turn away from God. But the whole premise is Screwtape is encouraging Wormwood and how to get men to stop following God. And, uh, again, a, a fictional work, but I think some great insight for us that the primary tool of the devil sometimes isn't so much to convince us that God is not real or that, that heaven is not real, but to convince us of half-truths, that, that perhaps God doesn't matter or that just take heaven for granted because, you know, of, of course, everyone how, how could everyone not go to heaven? It doesn't matter what you do on this earth. You don't have to go to mass. You don't have to go to the sacraments. You don't have to have love for God. You don't have to pray. I mean, everybody's guaranteed a, a place in heaven, right? That That is the tactic, those have-truths. And, you know, I kind of wonder, how do you avoid getting caught up in, in the half-truths that the, the world and the devil keep throwing our way? Yeah, that's a, uh, it's a good question. By the way, if you haven't read the Screw Tape Letters, go get that. Yeah, what do you guys do? That is, that's a great book. That's just, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's hard to put down. Um, you know, there's a, um, I think it's uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, uh, Adam, that said, you know, keep the most important thing the most important thing. Sounds so simple, but it's it's just true. So, um, you know, for me, it's about um, being intentionally incremental. I mean, I, I, I have tried so to do so many things in a big way. I am going to do this for, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to play this instrument. I am going to go to mass every day. I And I set these big, big things. And they're very, very difficult to achieve if I achieve them ever. But just small, incremental things done intentionally is how I try to keep the most important thing the most important thing. So, example then, instead of saying, I'm going to go to daily Mass every day for the rest of my life without fail, perhaps, I'm going to go to daily Mass today. And then tonight when I go to bed to say, I'm going to go to daily Mass tomorrow morning. That's exactly it. That's that's exactly it. You know, I, um, many of us just have to live our busy lives day to day, but we kind of, you know, before we're going to bed, we're often just thinking about, all right, what's tomorrow hold? And then I'll look and I'll go, you know what? You know, there's, there's a 7.15 AM mass that I can walk to. I can do that tomorrow. I wasn't sure about that yesterday, but I'm sure about it right now. And then I act on that. And then you set your alarm so that you can get up. And go to seven fifteen mass exactly. I I, lo- I love that. I mean, because that's so true—not just the spiritual life, but anything really. I mean, to get better at anything, you have to have incremental improvement, and you have to be intentional about it. So that's fantastic. But the thing is, again, like in the spiritual life, we're not just fighting against flesh and blood, but you know, principalities and powers. So kind of like you know, the screw tape letters. Obviously, we have demons out there trying to distract us. So um, you know. Prayer is going to be crucially important, just a constant reliance on prayer. And um, I think the other thing that we we have to kind of, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, this could, we could really unpack this. We could spend a whole hour talking about this. But when you talk about like the screw tape letters and the distraction and trying to, what they do, fooling, right? Trying to yeah. fool humans into falling away or doing something. Um, one thing that struck me when I read the screw tape letters years ago was it's written in the context of, of uh, in the in the the human world is experiencing a war at the time, World War II maybe, but it doesn't specify. And um, 
Screwtape writes in the letter to Wormwood and he says, we don't actually like war because war gives humans a chance for virtue, right? They can do, even in the midst of this terrible tragedy, they can do good things. And so I think sometimes, you know, to, your, to this question here, Adam, how do we avoid getting caught up in those unimportant things? We have to keep our, keep, stay grounded in what's important and, and through prayer. Like that's how it's going to happen. And, and, and when we, you know, like you said, Dwight Eisenhower, keep what's important, important, keep the first thing, the first thing, you know, all that stuff. Um, it's going to be prayer that we recognize what those things are and then just constantly kind of coming back to that. And keeping it grounded, that's a great comment because at least probably for the three of us, keeping it grounded um, often is the you know responsibility of our spouse, right? <laughs> you know, you need those people in your life who are going to keep it real for you, yeah. who are gonna keep you grounded. And so for me, that person is Amy. You know, when I'm kind of having my own personal little pity party about this kind of stuff, and I'm not being intentional and incremental, and I decide uh, you know, to complain about it, I know I got one person who's going to keep me grounded. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know I keep coming back to like quote of the month here. Uh, you know, when I find something, I kind of latch on to it. But I it was rereading a section of True Devotion to Mary, um, which Dan and I, you and I read last fall before our Marian consecration. And uh, I, you know what? I, we're six months out, and which means we're also six months away from renewing our consecration, and I look forward to that. But in paragraph 226, uh, St. Louis de Montfort says, talking about what you're saying, Gabe, that, that we have to be rooted in prayer and not just, you know, number one, mental prayer is important. Spending that time in silence to listen to mm-hmm. God and, and to quiet our hearts and quiet our minds is very important, but to also pray the rote prayers. It's not an either or. It's a both and. Mm-hmm. And in the rote prayers, uh, St. Louis de Montfort says, although what is essential in this devotion consists in the interior, so the, the mental prayer, we must not fail to unite the inward practice with certain external observances. We must do the one yet not leave the other undone because both the outward and practices well performed, and, or I'm sorry, both because the outward practices well performed aid the inward ones and because they make a man remember by reminding his senses what he has done or ought to do, and also because they are suitable to edify our neighbor who sees them, which inward practices cannot do. And where I go with this is it's those outward prayers that we pray aloud. And in particular, for me lately, it's been the Tuesday perpetual help devotions we pray here as a staff. Uh, We've got an older version of it, and uh, it. The language, the way the way people used to talk, I love. It. I like old <laughs> English, right? Uh, it reminds me, wow, I'm a wretch mm-hmm. on my own, and that's you know as, as good as I think I am, and I have my good moments, right? It's still they pale in comparison to the the good work that our Lord accomplished on the cross, and uh, the words of the prayer remind me of who my place is, you know, where my place is, who God is, what God has done for me, and how joyful. I should be. So, Gabe, like you said, there's a lot we could say on the yeah. subject, but, uh, you know, maybe we'll have to do a special edition. <laughs> However, you know, I thought April 1st, it could be a day to try something new on the show. And I got to tell you, I love the uh, I love the Daily Dose of Encouragement. It's one of my, you know, next week, Wednesday, by the way, is the two-year anniversary of the ah. launch of the show. Hmm. And of all the things out there, I love the Daily Dose of Encouragement. It is a great addition to the show and especially friends these past three weeks 
if you haven't been listening to Patty Schneier reflect on the Stations of the Cross. Been fantastic. Right? The, the thumb in the palm. Oh, wow. That was that, a good one. That was painful, yeah. but amazing. Uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to the Daily Dose of Encouragement podcast at ourcatholicradio.org. And uh, I give you permission to go out of order and start with this past Monday to find out what that one's about. And then you'll go back and start over with the rest. But, you know, a friend of mine called in and said, Adam, I'm a pessimistic person. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know that, that that speaks to me. So we thought today perhaps we'd bring uh, Tony Phillips on the show for a new segment. We're going to try just for today, maybe. If it goes well, maybe we'll take it beyond that, uh, the daily dose of discouragement. So, Tony? Well, friends, here we are on April 1st, and for today's daily dose of discouragement, we are going to take a focus on Lenten promises. Now, we're a month into Lent. Easter's only 16 days away, and now is the perfect time to sit down, take a hard look at ourselves in the mirror, and be honest. Adam, let me ask you a question. Have you actually kept your Lenten promise? (laughs) Nobody I know has. What are the chances you'll make it all the way to Easter? My advice to you, just give up. You had a good run. Now sit back and relax and coast on through these last two weeks. It'll be much easier, and it'll be easier on your family and friends too. Trust me. Remember when you tried to give up caffeine a couple weeks ago? Let me tell you, you were not too pleasant to be around. So give us a break, give yourself a break, and just give up. You know, Tony, I thought when we talked about you coming on the show with this new segment, the understanding was you would do something to help our listeners grow in holiness, not tell them to abandon their Lenten resolutions. I think April 1st is going to go down in history as the first and only daily dose of discouragement here on Roadmap to Heaven. So friends, here's what I want you to take away from this. Don't listen to the voices like that one. This is exactly the time to grit your teeth, keep your focus, and do not give up on your Lenten resolution. Don't buy into what Tony's peddling here. This is all about saying, Lord, I'm going to continue to suffer, to fast, to pray, to abstain, so that I can be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. You gave up so much for us when you died on that cross. Surely I can give up a little something here for you. So for all of us here at Covenant Network, I suppose we should say thank you, Tony Phillips, for reminding us what not to do. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Uh, Don't listen to me. Thank you all very much for letting me join you for this little uh, April Fool's time and uh, daily dose of discouragement, which I promise will be your last one. All right, friends, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. And as an aside, Tony is actually one of the holiest guys I know, and he would not want you to do anything he just said. So he's an avid listener. We thought we'd have a little fun today. And with that, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we'll have lots more to talk about. Stay tuned. We are back, and I promise uh, we're actually going to have the real daily dose of encouragement later in the show because well, that was something else all right <laughs> favorite one of you know sometimes people ask me gentlemen what is your favorite passage of scripture and i have so many i mean how do you choose just one but appropriate for today's theme is a great passage from jeremiah if i may you duped me O lord and i let myself be duped You were too strong for me, and you triumphed. All the day I am an object of laughter. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I must cry out, violence and outrage is my message. The word of the Lord has brought me derision and reproach all the day. I say to myself, I will not mention him. I will speak in his name no more. But then it becomes like fire burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones, 
I grow weary holding it in. I cannot endure it. Jeremiah, of course, talking about as much as he tries to say, wow, there's a lot of suffering when you're a prophet of the Lord. I'll just stop being a prophet of the Lord. He cannot contain it, and he goes out there. Um, you know, it, it, as Matt Marr would say, it's burning in his soul. Um, and he, he shares that message with the world. Now, I know that for me, there are days that, Dan, you were talking about spouses earlier. I turn to Beth and I say, I've got to go out there, especially when I was working in uh, parish ministry and I, I was one-on-one. But now, with some of the things I'm doing, not here with the radio station, but just in our local community, our, our kids' school, for example, um, it, I, I realize I need to step up and I need to very boldly live out my faith, you know, and, and not be afraid to speak truth or to speak up when there is something that, you know, it needs to be brought to the attention of others to help us all, you know, not to chide, not not to uh, judge, but to say, listen, we have an opportunity to grow in holiness right here. We need to take this. That's a scary thing. You know, it's one thing here on on a microphone with uh, people listening that I know are listening because they like the show, they support the show. uh, But to go out to my neighbor and say, whoa, there's better for you out there. That's that's a scary thing. So what helps you? What do you do to get ready to go out and evangelize a world that more and more does not want to be evangelized? Man, I I love this scripture. I remember the first time I read it. Uh, because it it was this feeling that I knew I truly loved the Lord because I identified with Jeremiah that it's frustrating, it's hard, and and yet I knew I, I'm not going to be able to stop this. This is who I am. This is how I feel. This is not going to be able to not come out. I, I remember turning to the scripture for the first time, first time I read it. I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, you know, I think for me, Adam, the answer to your question comes down to um, a, a circle of folks who help be a tailwind for me, right? You know, that I, that um, you can be, you know, you're an, a radio host, you're out there, um, you, you have a name in the community, but you need encouragement too. You need a group of people that's going to be your tailwind um, when you are discouraged or maybe you're feeling kind of that lack of boldness that you know that you need to live this particular passage. So, you know, surrounding yourself with that fraternal group is is critical. I'm glad you said that because I was going to say it if you didn't. <laughs> having somebody to check in with you or, or the, uh, you want to call it encouragement or you want to call it, you know, the fraternal you know, support, whatever word you want to put there, but having a wife, friends, children, somebody keeping you kind of grounded is, is important. Um, but also, and this is the easy answer, but God's grace. Like in order to be able to go out there, you know, or, you know, the, the question you have here on, on the sheet is, you know, what helps you stay true to God and the faith when the world derides you? Well, God's grace. I mean, that's yeah. the only thing that can help you with that. But that's the easy answer. How do you be, how are you open to God's grace? Again, a life of prayer, yeah. recourse to the sacraments. You know, having you have to build that faith is a gift and grace is a gift, but we have to be open to it to receive it, and constantly be on the lookout for it. So, um, it's not easy. I'm I'm not great at this. Uh, it's because I, I live in, uh, in a Catholic bubble, <laughs> so it's hard for me sometimes to recognize. Oh yeah, I need to like get out and evangelize the world a little bit. So I'm not great at this, but um, it's God's grace that that allows you to do this. 
Yeah. You know, I, I find for me one of the hardest situations is just talking with some of my neighbors on my street because they know that, that we're Catholic mm-hmm. and uh, they know that we're pretty firm about wanting to be Catholic and following the church teachings. And sometimes they say, why do you do that? Because I don't understand this and I don't understand how you could do that. And doesn't that make your life miserable? And it's one of those things that you say, let's do a roadmap roundup topic on this very question. I could go 10, 20 minutes if they'd let me, which luckily for our listeners, they won't. Uh, <laughs> but with my neighbor, can I even take 30 seconds to say joyfully, well, yeah, here's how it's born fruit in my life. Or or to admit, you know, yeah, it is hard, but you know what? That's the way it goes. I was sharing with some friends the other night. You talk about that the group of, of guys or the, the group of support Dan, I think you refer to them as your board of directors sometimes. Uh, we were playing cards, and we were talking about seasons of life and where we are in marriage. And I said, you know, there are some things right now for Beth and I that are difficult. You know, but that's, I think, in every season of marriage, there are things that are difficult. And I said, but you know what's different now than you know, early on in the first four or five years of our marriage, we ended up in, in counseling. I've shared this before. And it was because we didn't know how to argue with one another. And so we were holding things in and bottling things up. Well, now we know how to do this. And we both know and, and are very firmly convicted in that as difficult as it might gift get, I don't want to be with anyone else. God has called you and I to be together in this vocation of marriage. We can do this. Um, yes, it's challenging right now. But I wouldn't have it any other way. And prayer keeps reminding me of that. So I'll kind of close with this. Um, This summer, if I had the opportunity, I would love to take sailing lessons. I don't think it's going to happen. But there's just something. I'm I'm kind of a a beach soul. Like, I I love the water. You're in the wrong part of the country. (laughs) Creve Coeur Lake has sailing classes. (laughs) And Carlisle Lake isn't too far away. Um, But it's all about the crew you know, I say this with absolutely zero experience, but from what I've, I've read and, and, and the expectations they tell you for the lesson, you know, you have to be prepared to work hard with everyone else on the crew to get the sails into the exact right place to catch the wind so that you can move forward without capsizing the boat. You know, and how many times do we get so super zealous that we're like, oh, I'm catching a lot of wind, but then we capsize and then all of a sudden we're discouraged and we give up you know they're like i'm gonna go to mass every day for the rest of my life and then one day we miss it we capsize we're like i guess i'm never going to mass again you know it's like no turn the boat over and and do better next time um i think of that wind is god's grace it's that actual grace that helps keep moving us in the right direction so that when we capsize and fall out of that state of sanctifying grace we get back in the boat and and we go to confession and and we keep moving on but having those people that are going to help Keep the sails in the right place. And then also being that person for someone else. We're going to take a break here on the Roadmap Roundup this morning. Stay tuned for more. We're going to be talking about prudence when we come back. It's a cardinal virtue, and it's a good one to discuss on this April 1st. Don't go anywhere. A catechist question is here for all of us here right now. And, gentlemen, I didn't put it on the sheets today. I noticed that. So maybe I did fool you here. You didn't think we were going to have a catechist. But here is our catechist question on this Friday, April 1st. Which of the following? I'm going to give you five options here. Which of the following is not one of the cardinal virtues? Prudence, which, by the way, we said before the break, is a cardinal virtue. So don't say prudence. That's a given. (laughs) Okay. Prudence fortitude chastity temperance justice 
Prudence, fortitude, chastity, temperance, justice. Which one is not a cardinal virtue? I think it's chastity. The other, the others are fortitude. Aren't. You want to, you want to phone a friend here. You two want to come to an agreement? I thought fortitude is a fortitude is a gift of right. the Holy Spirit. Oh, Gabe Jones says fortitude. I always trust, fortitude Gabe. I always and, trust Gabe. You're going to trust. I Gabe? do trust. You're going to trust Gabe. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I I mean I hate to tell you, but Dan, you should have oh. you should have stuck with what you said originally. Chastity is not one of the four cardinal virtues. It actually falls under two of the four cardinal virtues, both temperance and prudence and fortitude while it is one of the gifts of the holy spirit is also, also one of the four cardinal virtues if you want to if you, if, if you double dip it here up, yeah if you want to look it up for yourself you know for whatever reason lest you think i'm fooling you uh paragraph 1805 through 1809 of the catechism of the catholic church now today we're going to go back to prudence which saint thomas aquinas writes uh prudence is right reason in action and following Aristotle, he comes up with that. It's not to be confused with timidity or fear or duplicity or dissimulation. It is the charioteer of virtues. It guides the other virtues by setting rule and measure. It is prudence that immediately guides the judgment of conscience. The prudent man determines and directs his conduct in accordance with this judgment. With the help of this virtue, we apply moral principles to particular cases without error and to overcome doubts about the good to achieve and the evil to avoid. So here's the deal. We, we were talking about screw tape earlier and how he tries to pull us away from the truth with half-truths or mistruths or misleading things. We talk about the fear we have of maybe going out and evangelizing the world around us, especially friends, family, and neighbors. And sometimes they ask those questions. Do you really think that's smart? Do you really think that's wise? Well, here to help us is prudence but it's certainly you know virtues are habits they're habits we grow in and i am curious what has helped you gabe jones to grow in prudence uh, in your life so if i try to answer this i know my wife is going to laugh if she's listening because she's going to go what has helped you grow in prudence in the exercise of prudence like and the answer is the answer is uh you you're still working on that (laughs) so so let it be known that the question presupposes that, that I'm actually growing in this, so uh, I, or have grown. I, I have a lot more work to do. Um, so I am not coming to you today as someone who knows what they're, you know, is, is an expert at this. But um, again, the easy answer is God's grace. I mean, that's again for a lot of this stuff. That's the easy answer. But it's how are we open to that? Yeah, let's right? talk about the practical. So application. the practical applications then are, um, I think it's very similar to the other question. I think it's having people around you, you know, for me, it's, uh, like having kids, you know, in the house, like, okay, how am I going to act prudently knowing that my kids are either watching or going to know that dad did this or going to whatever that I have to now be a father for my kids and, um, you know, bring them along, whatever that is, right. Having my kids there is a good reminder, a grounder, right. So that I can act more prudently. So that the, you, you mentioned grace, the vehicle for that is the sacraments. So the, my answer and family to the question, marriage, yeah. Adam, is the more I stay rooted in the sacraments, the more prudence is a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to mass, adoration, confession, but probably more than any one thing that we keep hitting on today is that sacrament that I participate in every day called marriage. Mm-hmm. Right, That's how we grow in, in prudence, right, through the exercise of that sacrament you know that so we're talking about you know our 
the authenticity of our beliefs in action. No better place to practice that than in, in marriage. marriage. Yes, I, and, you I know, and we forget sometimes. I think that marriage is a like a daily sacrament, right? Like it's not just a whole, you know, hey, we we got married one day. We had like it's daily, just like you should go to you know daily communion, right? I mean, that's the goal. Yeah, the wedding so, is a one day thing. Marriage right. is forever, right? Um, you know, you talk about this and I, I would agree that prudence has become a lot easier in the context of my vocation as husband and father. I think back to before I was married and before I had kids and everybody's saying, Hey, let's go out. And I'm like, yeah, let's go out. Never mind that I have to get up early and play for, uh, this in the morning, or I have a meeting tomorrow morning, or I have other obligations that, uh, are very important related to my job. Yeah. Let's stay out till, till three in the morning. Cause I can always sleep when I get home from work. And then the next day at work, I'm like, Oh, that was a mistake. Why did I ever, that was imprudent, you know? Um, and now the invitation, like, do you guys want to go out? We're going to have a late night. We're going to go do a pub crawl or we're going to go hear this band play. We're not going to get home till two in the morning. And, uh, to, to paraphrase, um, to paraphrase one of my favorite comedic characters, not going to do it, (laughs) not going to do it. Uh, as we know, it wouldn't be prudent, right? Wouldn't be prudent. I think you hit on something there though, that part of prudence is failure. By failing, we learn, well, that probably wasn't the good thing to do, right? That wasn't prudent. Next time, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to have prudence if you haven't failed first. I had a history teacher in high school that that was uh, known for saying, gentlemen, when you go out and you think you're you're having just a good time and it's harmless and no one's having fun and then you, your conscience starts to kick in and, and you wonder, I wonder if I've crossed the line here. Let me just assure you, you crossed that long, line a long time ago. <laughs> the trick of growing into adulthood is learning where the line is before <laughs> you cross it so that you can be good men and not terrible abominations of man. This, 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 I love this discussion. This, this growth in prudence is also what helps make our witness believable, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this, this right reason in action, right? We're making mistakes. We're learning. We're reasoning. We're bringing all that to prayer and discernment. And that's culminating in actions, right? So we have these three circles, right? All mm-hmm. coming together. And, you know, the union of those three circles, that shaded area, that's prudence and the more we live that the more believable our witnesses i'm raising my hand calling me calling me I, I, I am the teacher right? no 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 I'm not. You're, the, you're the host uh, i have a question for you though gabe you know we're talking about in the context of the sacrament but not all of our listeners are married listeners we have a, a significant number of mm-hmm. young adults we have a significant significant number of older adults who are singled or maybe not in the uh, call to the vocation of marriage they're either in the single state or the uh, clerical state, you know, I think there's even some religious that listen. And uh, for the religious that listen, I, I think what helps with prudence, I, you know, I could probably use rule, like the rule of St. Benedict. If Chris Horan were here, he'd be talking. This, mm-hmm. this would be a great yep. thing for Chris yeah, exactly. to chime in on. Um, but what about, let, let's think back to before we had our spouses. I mean, what are some things? I know for me, it's, again, that daily thing, like these are today's priorities, these are tomorrow's priorities. And when I listed those out, when I took five minutes a day to say what's today's priority and what's tomorrow's priority, that helped with prudent decisions about, yeah, I probably shouldn't go out and uh, stay up all night. Or I probably shouldn't go play golf today. I probably need to get my work done today. But what were those things? Uh, well, I get, it's just goals. You know I mean? Setting, 
both in the temporal sphere and the spiritual realm. You know, do you want to get to heaven? Well, yes. Okay, so how are you going to do it? The the incremental intentionality, right? Like yep. Dan was talking about. So if that's your goal, well, how are you going to do it? And how are you going to? You have to then be prudent about how you approach that. So, you know, for me, I mean, like I'm thinking back to because I got married pretty young, almost right out of college. So, in college, what was the way? How did I act prudently? Well, um, again, maybe wasn't the best example of that. But uh, it's, I got a test on Thursday. I need to study for that. When am I going to study? Okay, let's backtrack. I got to do it on Tuesday because I'm not going to be able to on Wednesday, right? Whatever that comes out to be, again, it's the planning and having that goal set out there so that you don't cross that line like you were talking about. So the gap for me, gentlemen, between uh, when I was that person and today is longer than it is for the two of you, but the answer really is the same. You know, when... I was a younger man acting imprudently. I was farther away from the sacraments. I was farther away from God's grace. So the answer in many ways is the same. You know, if um, you are in that spot, then embrace the sacramental life and just trust that that grace will start coming and you just got to get out of the way. And rely on that grace, friends, because if you think that you can uh, just do this on your own, the, the old adage, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and do this on your own, well, then you really are a fool. And I used to be that fool to think, you know, I think the word for it was Pelagian, um, mm-hmm. you know, but I was that fool that thought this was all on me. And I used to get so discouraged going to confession because I'm like, ah, I let myself down. And finally, Father one day was like, well, yeah, because you can't do this on your own. And that's why we're so joyous that you're here. So stop, you know, the big, big thing out of that confession was stop thinking that Adam Wright is the, the, the principal actor in this. God is the principal actor in this. Your job is to let God work. Your job is to let God be God and let him be first. And some days that means you're going to just have to endeavor to stay out of God's way as he works in your life because he's inviting you to be part of this. He sets the agenda you do not. Well, no fooling around. We are going to get one more check of the weather for you here today, and then we are going to get the daily dose of encouragement, which is the one we all know and love. And it, I'm kind of sad because today wraps up three weeks on Stations of the Cross, but I'm really glad that we've been doing this. So let's go get that weather, and then when we come back, we'll have the daily dose of encouragement. Well, today on Friday, we mark the end of our journey through the Stations of the Cross with Patty Schneier. In fact, yesterday, We talked about the final station, the 14th station. But on today's Daily Dose of Encouragement, we talk about where we go next. And so, Patty, where do we go now that we've walked through the Stations of the Cross? Well, today I wanted to share with you an entry, a very recent entry from my own journal. And it's about the Stations of the Cross and why I love them so much and why I pray them every day. For me, they're not just for Lent. For me, they are an anchor in my day. Here's just what I wrote in my journal very recently. And I said, Lord, I love your Stations of the Cross. There is so much to ponder. Your stations are inexhaustible. They are timeless. It's almost as if all of life can be seen as the Stations of the Cross. Every trial or struggle every frustration, every change of plans, every hurdle or challenge, sickness, disappointment, delay, failure, every bump, bruise, or injury, every accident, every tear can be seen in light of the Stations of the Cross. But also every random act of kindness, 
every opportunity to accompany our loved ones, every step of perseverance, every step of obedience and faith can also be seen in light of the Stations of the Cross. I am so grateful that the Stations of the Cross are a part of my life. They've become a part of me. They are a part of the air I breathe. They've become an anchor in my life. Why? Because it's always a point of reference, of clarity and perspective for whatever is happening on any given day. They also provide me with a concrete means, a structure to praise you, Lord, to adore you and to thank you for your passion and death. Then I went on to say, by meditating on your stations, which is never the same for me on any given day and never boring, I get to stop and thank you, Lord, for all you endured. I get to imagine the scene. I get to ponder how you felt. I get to be in the crowd. I get to see you, Jesus. I get to see others who are now experiencing crosses in their life. And I get to see myself. And I get to weep. Whether I am in a car or on a walk or in Adoration Chapel or in any church throughout the world, I can pray your stations of the cross. They ground me. They bring me peace. And when I pray them, they are but a tiny offering of love in atonement for my sins and the sins of the whole world. I pray them for those who have walked away from you, Lord, for those who don't adore you, praise you, or thank you for what you have done. I pray them because I caused your death, because you forgave me on that cross and hung there for me. And I don't ever want to take that for granted. I don't ever want a day to go by without thanking you for dying on the cross for me. And so, Lord, I pray that the whole world would know and love praying your stations of the cross. Patty, that was a beautiful reflection. And these past three weeks have been a gift for all of us as we've reflected upon the stations of the cross with you. Thank you for these many encouragements over the past three weeks. I'm just going to say, but wait, there's more. I mean, I am so, I, I can't, I can't tell you how grateful I am for three weeks of Stations of the Cross. And I think one of my, my goals for Holy Week is actually throughout the day, those 15 of those, like every half hour or every 45 minutes, I'm going to stop and listen to a reflection on the Stations of the Cross. And, you know, I've also been thinking about this, that maybe maybe a goal for during Holy Week is to pray the stations not just on Good Friday, but to pray them Thursday, Friday, and Saturday so that when we go to the Easter Vigil, you know, we look at where we've been and now where we are. Um, it reminds me, though, there are many very good traditions for Holy Week. So, uh, Gabe Jones, what, what about you? What what are those things? That it's not, You know, we're, we're two weeks away. Mm-hmm. Um we have Fifth Sunday of Lent and then Palm Sunday of the Lord's Passion, or for those of you that go to the old form of the Mass, uh, you have Passion or passion Palm Sunday, Sunday and, and, and Palm Sunday, or Passion, passion then, Sunday and then, Palm, then Sunday. Palm Sunday. So we're, we're down to the wire here. How do you, uh, how do the Joneses observe Holy Week? Uh, so, you know, we're still kind of a young family, you know, young kids in the house, so our traditions are still kind of developing a little bit. But uh, my wife in the past few years has really gotten into the intentionality with food. And so during Holy Week, uh, she has, over the past few years, experimented with different things, um, different types of, of breads that we could have for fasting during Holy Week, that kind of thing. But one that this 
I don't know, maybe sounds goofy or whatever, but I, we like watching movies during Holy Week, Cre- like movies about Christ. So Passion of the Christ we've watched during Holy Week, which it's such a wonderful movie, but it's a terrible movie because you, yeah. <laughs> it, it just, the, 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 his sacrifice is so visible, um, it, it, it really hurts to watch it. Um, but another one that's not quite as gruesome but is still, a, I think, a great movie, is The Greatest Story Ever Told. And I think the past couple of years now, we've watched that like on Holy Thursday yeah. or Good Friday or something, and it's the whole story of Christ's life up through the resurrection. And, I think and it's, everybody it's a, who's anybody was in that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, again, tradition, it's kind of goofy, I guess, but like I like that movie for Holy Week. Well, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take the ball on the food thing. So I, I would encourage your family to do that. Do something that will be incredibly memorable for your kids. So in my family, uh, since as long as I can remember and before I was born, uh, my mother and my grandmother bake a lamb cake. Mm. So a lamb cake is just pound cake in a lamb mold. The key, of course, is the nose, right? You can't, you know, you know sometimes you got to put a toothpick in the nose to make sure it, you know, it doesn't break off. Um, but, uh, and then we would take the, um, the fences from the Fisher Price farm, you know, the, when the doors open and it goes moving. Uh-huh. And so we'd put those around and, and then you decorate the bottom. What did you put co- on the cake though? So here's, that's very, for the fur, for the fur. Big, yeah, that's it. For so the wool. My mother would use flaked coconut. Yep. Okay. Which I, I just. Mom, I love you, but I just cannot stand the flaked <laughs> coconut. So my mom uh, did the same thing. Yeah. So um, it's a texture thing. Um, so lamb cake. Lamb cake is the answer. All right. You know, for me, one of the best Lents, uh, I should say, best Holy Weeks ever, um, was the year that I decided that the Good Friday fast was going to last through the Easter Vigil, and that was hard. That, that was two mm. days of fasting, and I was yeah. not acclimated to it. But seriously. I mean, and on Good Friday, not only do I fast, no eating between meals and two smaller meals that don't equal a larger meal. It's simple. Like the Good Friday fast, it's small meals in accordance with the rules that are also incredibly simple. Like there's no there's no lobster dinner on Good Friday. It's maybe cheese and crackers um, or a bowl of oatmeal or, you know, like two scrambled eggs and that's it. At a meal, and the year that I decided that we are encouraged, you know, I, I had read that we are encouraged to keep that fast going through the first celebration of Easter, the Easter Vigil. There was not, and that was also a year I gave up donuts for Lent because at the time I was stopping at, at the gas station and getting donuts every day on my way to work, and I said for Lent I'm giving it up. There was not a donut that has ever tasted better in my <laughs> life than the donut after that one, but I was so glad that I did it. Not because of the donut, but because of, by the time Saturday night rolled around, I was just longing, is it Easter yet? Are we to the joy yet? And it, it made it that much more of an experience. And the, the the weird thing is, that's actually kind of flipped around. That should have been the secondary, because the primary benefit from it is if I would have been focused, right-minded, not just like, this is going to want me make want Easter to come even more, is that that's a great opportunity to say, Lord, you suffered so much, I will suffer now. And my suffering pales in comparison to your suffering, but I am, I am not going to lighten up. I'm, gonna, I'm all in with you. Another one, uh, Holy Thursday, going to seven churches, so or seven altars of repose, mm-hmm. so the first one being wherever we go to Holy Thursday Mass. And I, this is about the time of year I'm going to start planning it out. I'm going to ask Beth tomorrow to make that final decision. Where are we going to Mass on Holy Thursday, and we, we, we're pretty sure we know the answer, 
but then from there back to home uh, becomes either a, a very roundabout journey if we're going close to home or if we're going far away from home. Where are the places we're going to stop in between to make a visit to our Lord? I've got a, a nice little sheet of prayers I use for that. I'll have to share that with you next week. But we are out of time, so let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, tomorrow, all these things we've talked about, growing in grace today, great opportunity to grow in grace, and that is First Saturday Devotions. And, you know, I go back to this. When Mom used to say, Dan, would you vacuum the house today? It wasn't so much of a question as it was, if you know what's good for you, Dan, do it. It's good for us to keep First Saturday Devotions. So go to Mass, go to Confession, pray the Rosary, and meditate on it. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. I'm Gabe Jones. I'm Dan Vonderhart. Pray that Rosary today.